This is Evermore Poe, the turbulent youth of Edgar Allan Poe. Chapter 28 Inside the social hall, the Allen family split up. Ma and Aunt Nancy joined a gaggle of women in the corner, while Pa joined a group of businessmen at the bar. Eddie stood alone at the front door looking for anywhere else to go. His friend Ebenezer Burling, Nez for short, waved him over. Hey, Po, how y'all doing? Well, I made it through another sermon, so there's that. <laughs> I thought dregs of humanity like you weren't allowed in a house of worship. Are you kidding? Preston jumped in. The church was created for sinners like Eddie here. He's just got him working overtime. <laughs> Very funny, Eddie said. Burling, you dog. I could say the same for you. You haven't been in church for a fortnight. Do tell us how you get out of it. Well, let's just say I embellish my constitution. Ebenezer was a terrible actor. And I make adequate use of my flatulence, too. Mother kept me out of school for a week. Ebenezer took a bow. You're disgusting. Ah, yes, but also triumphant. Speaking of your school, Jack Preston jumped in. How goes life at that sad excuse for an academy, eh? Burling retorted. Quite good, actually. And it's a fine school, thank you very much. Much more practical than you Clark snobs would ever care to admit. Anyhow, now that it's summer, you lucky bastards get to have me all to yourselves. Another boy, Nat Howard, joked, You mean you get to be seen with us? Amongst laughter, Eddie changed the subject. Speaking of which, now that it's summer, what say we all meet up at the swimming hole again? I vote for Victor's Mill. I second that. Every day, Nez agreed. Well, actually, Nez, I can't go every day. I have to clerk at Ellis and Allen. And then, you know that boy I tutored, Robert Stannard? Well, his parents asked me to teach him to swim this summer, too. Eddie never uttered anything about spending time with the boy's mother, Jane. That little fact was kept all to himself. Ah, yes, Ebenezer said. And the student becomes the teacher. Y'all do know I taught this dandy to swim, don't you, boys? Please, Eddie insisted, grabbing a chunk of Ebenezer's belly fat. I can swim laps around this old toad now. Then Jack Preston made a suggestion. Don't worry, Eddie. Bring the kid along. The friends agreed to trade in their Riverside hangout for a summer watering hole. Slowly, each boy was pulled away from the group by their families when Eddie spotted his foster father talking with Mr. Ellis and a squatty-looking stranger at the bar. Unbelievable, he thought business at church. But before he could disappear into the crowd, John saw him and called him over. Eddie knew the church service wasn't John's focus of the week. Networking was. Hello, Eddie. Hello, Mr. Ellis. Pleasure to see you as always, sir. My goodness, look at you, boy. You're nearly as tall as me now. Say, how old are you? He'll be 14 in January. John Allen cut him off before Eddie had a chance to answer. Then he turned to the stranger with them. Mr. Covey, I'd like you to meet my son, Edgar. Yes, yes, said the squatty man. I see the resemblance. Oh, I highly doubt that, John scoffed. You see, Edgar here is not of my own blood. Tragic story, really. Do you recall the actress Eliza Poe? No, the theater is for women. Well, I wouldn't exactly agree with that, said John, placating the potential new client while calming Eddie with a squeeze to the shoulder. Eddie's clenched fist relaxed. You see, Eliza Poe was Eddie's biological mother. She was quite the starlet of the stage, don't you know? 
Sadly, she was already a widow, and so when Miss Poe fell ill, some local patrons of the arts, including my dear wife, insisted upon saving the orphan children. Having no wee ones of our own, we took in young Edgar here. He's the son I always hoped for. John smiled down at Eddie as if he was proud of his sincere yet vainglorious act of charity. Eddie countered with a forced smile. Factual or not, he hated the way his foster father characterized his story. But he also knew it was best to remain silent on the topic. There was a measure of love between he and Pa, and perhaps the elder Alan, in his carelessness, was trying to find some measure of empathy. After all, he had once been an orphan himself. This was the story Eddie told himself time and time again. Eddie smiled and channeled hours of etiquette training for moments just like this. It's a pleasure to make your acquaintance, Mr. Covey, and what brings you to Richmond? He was proud of his delivery, even though he really couldn't care less. Sensing Eddie's ever-so-subtle mockery, John Allen jumped in. Mr. Covey comes to us all the way from Maryland. He's visiting Richmond to survey our <clears throat> peculiar institution, isn't that right, sir? And as such, Ellis and Allen are only happy to be at your service. Eddie tried to decipher the strange euphemism. Peculiar institution? What the devil does that mean? But the squatty man spoke before he could ask. Yes, spouted the stranger whose voice was as gravelly as his face. I was just learning about the inventory offered at Ellis and Allen. Quite intriguing, I must say. Eddie winced at the baffling joke while Pa and Mr. Ellis offered polite chuckles. Always on his game, John quickly changed the subject. Eddie here plans on joining the family business this summer. Isn't that right, son? Something like that, he replied unconvincingly. The three older men dove back into a previous conversation about rates, delivery fees, and other business drivel that made Eddie want to throw up. He managed to peel away from his foster father's grip and leave the bar altogether. Money, 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 he thought as he walked away. Ugh. Eddie wove his way through the crowd and headed for the heavy double doors leading out of the social hall. The rush of fresh air felt wonderful on his cheeks. From the landing, he looked up and down the deserted street. He took a seat halfway down the stoop and began to study the mangled shape of his shadow as it spilled down the stairs below. Suddenly, the door behind him opened. The sound of a dozen conversations escaped into the ether as a second, smaller shadow appeared behind his own. Evermore Poe is the historical account of a teenaged Edgar Allan Poe. If you'd like to learn more about Eddie's devolution to become the master of the macabre, please don't forget to follow and share this podcast. Evermore Poe was researched, written, produced, and edited by yours truly, journalist Chris Kosach. I began my research more than a decade ago using vetted journalistic methods with corroborated fact-checking from respected sources including the Library of Congress, periodicals obtained from multiple Poe museums, notable scholars, and the National Archives, among other collections, strung together in a narrative style. In other words, my story is mostly true. Our music today is from Esther Abrami. It should be noted that some of the characters in Evermore Poe are composites of real people, including servants and slaves who lived in the Allen home at the time of our story. Please note, while Evermore Poe is based on fact, it should not be confused with the historic record. For that, I hope you will go down your own rabbit hole to research one of the most thrilling 
bestselling American authors of all time. Our story continues again next time on Evermore Poe. Until then, I'm Chris Kosach. Thank you for listening.